I think buyers at this point in the retail space are really looking for new brands. So it also is not necessarily to your disadvantage if you're small and early. You're listening to Chats with Kat, where I catch up with my fellow millennials every week to share their journey of self-actualization, overcoming fear, and paving the way for a soul's purpose to shine through. Let's start that right here, right now. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Chats with Kat. I hope that you are all doing great. I hope you enjoyed your Thanksgiving holiday and gave yourselves permission to relax and spend quality time with those that you love. I currently have a fridge full of leftovers and I'm not complaining. I'm so excited that I don't have to cook for the next week. Before we get into this week's interview, I want to give a quick shout out to Beginning Anew, who left a review in the Apple Podcast app saying... Cat holds and speaks of so many of the qualities I seek to grow within myself. She seeks for genuine human connection, and every episode is a testament to her desire to create and nurture community. She, alongside with the women that she converses with, inspire me greatly. Keep inspiring others, friend. Thank you so much for your kind words, Anu. I truly appreciate it. For those of you who haven't yet left a review, please go ahead and do so for a chance to get shouted out next week. I have a goal of reaching 100 reviews in the Apple Podcast app before the end of the year, and it'd make me so happy if you could help me get there. In this week's chat, I catch up with CEO and co-founder of Gold Turmeric, Trinity Muzan. Her company produces a line of high-quality turmeric blends for golden milk, tea, and smoothies. I can attest to the fact that this product has already worked wonders for my skin and impacted my overall wellness, so gold is just as good as she says, I promise. In our chat, we dive into her journey of quitting work to pursue building gold full-time, how her mother inspired her to learn about holistic medicine, how she balances a romantic and professional relationship with her co-founder, and lots, lots more. As always, if there's anything mentioned in this episode that you think can help somebody that you know, go ahead and send it to them. Without any further delay, here is my chat with Trinity. Hey Trinity, thank you so much for joining me. It's been uh, some time in the making to get you on the show. Yes. Um, I met one of your friends serendipitously at an event and when I was telling her about the show, she's like, oh, you should interview my friend Trinity. And I was like, oh yeah, I should. And then I started following Gold on Instagram and then I actually met you at a panel and I was like, and then you introduced yourself and Mm -hmm. you're like, oh, I do this. And I was like, wait trinity do you know do you know um dominique and then you were like yeah i was like oh my god i already know about you and then here we are yes so i am so excited to get to know more about your company and you and what led to all of this how you're doing how you're managing all the things yeah (laughs) because you got a lot going on there is a lot for sure so for starters where did you grow up yes um, so I was born in Orlando, Florida. You're from Florida. I'm technically from Florida. Okay, technically. Um, my, my mom was born in Miami, like, we, Florida family. Okay. But, um, my family always was between Florida and upstate New York. Because okay. Because I think that was, like, back in the time when people actually, like, went upstate mm-hmm. as opposed to, like, just, like, going, like, flying somewhere, like, yeah. more exotic. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, like, in the summers, people, like, go up to Lake George. So, um, my, 
mom uh, raised me in Saratoga Springs, which is a like small city in upstate New York, mm. a, a, like an hour north of Albany. Wow. Um, so very different environment from New York City. Mm-hmm. Um, not very diverse at all. I was definitely pretty much the only person of color, period. Like period. no Asians, <gasps> no Latinos, wow. nothing. Like wow. I, it was pretty much me and, and like maybe like three other kids in like a 500 person graduating class. And was, <laughs> was that something that always... Um, made New York City appealing because there was so much diversity here? Yeah, I think I didn't even really understand it at first until I came here for college. So I I went to NYU and I remember actually, you know, NYU is like generally like pretty Asian. And I remember once being in an an elevator and it was me and like my like Mexican roommate and like a couple of Korean kids. And I was like, oh my God, there's no white people around. I've never been in a situation like this before in my life. Wow. And it was, um, yeah, it was really eye-opening for me um, Mm. to just like have exposure to diversity, period. Mm -hmm. Um, It had become so normalized for me while I was living there that I don't think I even really fully understood how insane it was. And looking back, how do you think that impacted the way you moved in spaces that didn't reflect like what you look like and how you engage with the world. Yeah. I mean, I think that there were pros and cons to that situation, to be honest. So, um, the cons I'm sure you can imagine were, Mm -hmm. you know, I think also it especially came out in dating in high school where I was fetishized and, um, I felt like it was such an honor to get any guy to like me because, Mm -hmm. you know, who's going to like this, like, you know, strange black girl, Mm -hmm. you know, it was kind of like this, like, um, I felt like I had something to prove to everyone. Um, So it definitely put a chip on my shoulder, Mm. um, which I think I've just finally let go of, which we can get into. But there also, to be honest, is the positive of knowing how to navigate white spaces mm-hmm. incredibly well mm-hmm. and just like naturally. Mm-hmm. Um, so especially with growing this business mm-hmm. and getting into investor conversations mm-hmm. and just, you know, ending up in spaces that are still for better or for worse, not very diverse. Right. Um, that is um, it's it's something that equipped me with the ability to get in there and, you know, connect with those people and, 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 you know, make that happen. So in one way it was, it was a a challenge, but in another way it's kind of prepared me for where I had to go. Look at that. That's really interesting. It's (laughs) like, you couldn't have known that while you were there, but it's like looking back, it's like, well, wow, at least at the very least, I know how to move in these spaces. Whereas I think a lot of people of color who like don't have that exposure, you know, and then go into business and we're just like, I don't really know how these right. people interact. Like right. even just like social cues and like, oh, how, yeah. you know, just, oh, yeah. convert. I don't know. I don't know how to explain it except mm-hmm. that like these, those are like, I don't know if we want to call them hard skills or soft skills <laughs> that, <laughs> that like end up coming in, coming to play big, big time along the line of, you know, building businesses and stuff like that. Yes. Although it's like, you know, we, is it, how comfortable should we be with like, you know, succumbing to the fact that like these spaces are not diverse. Like, should that be something like 
we just say it is what it is is this something that we go in there and we try to dismantle which is like a whole other conversation yeah i mean i think with that it's a process i think that you can't exclude yourself from where deals are being made because Mm -hmm. they're not as diverse because those spaces aren't as diverse as you want them to be yeah i think that the way to really enact change there is to get your foot in the door and then once you have a voice make it heard yeah and, and how has your experience been with that, with that in particular, as you build your company? Actually, let's get into that after we talk about your company. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. Yes. Do I do? <laughs> so you are the co-founder of Gold. Yes. Um, I know all about the company. Yeah. But for those who haven't heard about Gold, can you tell them a bit about what yes. it is? So Gold is a wellness company. Um, essentially we do different, um, what's called ingestible blends that you can add to your smoothies or water or milk. And so these are superfood powders that are amazing for your skin, for your immune system, for gut health, immunity, the list goes on. Um, but so, um, essentially we launched around two years ago. So it was in January of, of 2017 and, um, you know, the, the long story of it, which I'll, I'll give to you, yeah, is, the long story. <laughs> um, so was raised by a single parent in upstate New York. Um, my mom was dealing with rheumatoid arthritis, uh, autoimmune disease, and, um, it, you know, she was on disability for it. It was, it was pretty severe. And, and that was just what I accepted as normal growing up. Um, at one point she switched over to seeing a holistic physician and she noticed a massive improvement in her symptoms. And this was when I was in high school. And that's kind of when my ears perked up to the whole, um, you know, holistic wellness world and, um, you know, had always kind of been involved in it anyways, because my grandmother ate only organic mm-hmm. and I was kind of just, I was in that world a bit, but I didn't realize the, the power of it truly. Yeah. Um, so uh, went off to NYU for college and was pre-med and, and wanted to be a holistic physician. Said, you know, this is my career path. I want mm. to help heal people uh, sustainably. Mm. And um, so about halfway through college, my mom was still seeing wonderful results from the doctor, but I found out that she had pretty much gone broke in the process of seeing him because they can't take insurance. Why? So basically the way that the insurance industry or, you know, the medical industry is set up in this country, um, the types of things that insurance reimburses for are prescription drugs Mm -hmm. or surgeries. Mm. So oftentimes if you go into the doctor and you're like, oh, my knee hurts, they're like, oh, okay, well, like we'll do surgery instead of saying, oh, well, like try, you know, stretching and, and here's some herbs and, you know, maybe some acupuncture or whatever. Mm -hmm. Well, sometimes insurance covers acupuncture, Mm -hmm. but a lot of these more alternative treatments, you know, the superfoods and the supplements are just not covered. So you end up spending hundreds or thousands of dollars a month to exactly. And insurance does not consider these things to be like legitimate treatments um, because they can't really make any money off of right, it. Right. So unfortunately that cost burden is passed on to the patient. And if they're not, you know, lucky enough to be able to afford that, then, you know, they don't really have many options. Wow. So once you found out that your mom basically went broke in the process of trying to heal her body, how did that impact the way that you decided to move forward with your college trajectory and all of that it was pretty devastating i i felt like i was i had one of two options i could either 
continue on and, and practice holistic health care for the segment of the population that could comfortably afford it. Mm-hmm. Or I could try to, you know, upend the U.S. medical insurance industry. <laughs> I was like, no, no <laughs> to either of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, so I felt, I mean, as most college students do at some point, I felt pretty lost. Yeah. I wasn't sure what I was going to do. For a minute, I was going to go um, teach English in Thailand. And mm-hmm. then at the last minute, I fell into um, a career in marketing, basically, after huh. graduation. What? Tell us, tell me more about yeah. that. Yeah. So um, basically, I was a psych major because I was pre-med and I was interested in psych, but also you need something that's like, you don't necessarily want to be a, a biochem major on top of taking your pre-med classes yeah. because you'll just die. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it was like really interesting coursework, but like not as absurdly rigorous as the other stuff that I was taking on. So I had to figure out what I could do with a psych degree if I wasn't going into medicine and, yeah. and didn't plan on, you know, being a therapist yeah. or, or um, anything like that. So I basically, you know, heard that startups were the new wave at the time when I graduated and was like, okay, that sounds interesting. So just started looking around at like startups. And I think I also looked at like consulting firms and just like mm-hmm. kind of all the like uh, the places that a new lost college grad is, is going to look for work, um, and happened upon this really cool startup, um, called Castora, um, in the city. And, and they essentially did like analytics for big retailers. So they were the ones helping like a retailer like Ann Taylor figure out, um, like who was going to be their most valuable customer Mm. and, and, you know, and tailor the, the email marketing messaging kind of like around them. So, um, came in there as like the bottom rung employee, um, customer development, which basically means sending cold emails and cold phone calls mm-hmm. all day long. Mm-hmm. I was so miserable. <laughs> and I think I, I think I lasted like two months before my boss pulled me aside and was like, what do you want to do here? And I was like, I don't know. I'm 22 years old. I don't know anything. <laughs> And so that this. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they put me in marketing. <laughs> well, like, really nice send her over there. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I think they, they really liked me. They knew I was smart. They knew I had a lot of potential, but they were just, you know, they didn't know where to put me. Yeah. Um, and then they needed people in marketing. So I ended up in marketing hmm. and I just loved it. Uh, I had a really great boss, but... It was a small team, so I also got to work super closely with the head of design. Mm -hmm. Um, I just was, um, I didn't even know about this whole world of brand marketing and and creativity. And and so much of my natural creativity from childhood had been stifled over the years of school and and being told, well, if you're going to go into medicine, you're not a creative person, you're an analytical person. Yeah, yeah. So I just kind of had accepted that Mm. and it was this wonderful opportunity to, you know, while having a steady job, um, to be able to explore my own creativity. Yeah. And so I found that I just loved the brand building side of it. I Mm. just loved it. Um, and so then meanwhile, um, my, my longtime boyfriend Issei, we actually, um, we met when we were three years old. What? Yes. Technically. Oh okay, wait, so he lived upstate? Yes. As well. So Issei is, um, he's half Japanese, half American. Mm-hmm. He was born in Japan. 
his parents met in Japan, lived there for several years. He was, he was born there, was there for a couple of years. Um, and then they all came to America mm -hmm. together. Um, so, and, and just so happened to settle in my, my little hometown of wow. Saratoga Springs. Wow. The odds <laughs> of all the places. I know. So from there, um, I mean, basically we, as it turns out, I, I found this out recently. We went to the same preschool. What? I didn't even know. I was going through my grandmother's things, found my preschool class photo and saw Issei in the photo and was like, get the fuck out. Oh my God. <laughs> and this is your boyfriend. Yes. And so when did you actually like meet Me? again? When did we properly meet? Yeah. So, okay. The story goes on. So, um, our families kind of knew each other because it was a small enough town and we were like the only like kind of like granola families like in the area. So we like knew each other that I didn't know him. We were like really young, young. Yeah. but our, our families kind of knew each other very lightly. Then finally, um, in my senior year of high school, I applied to this like prestigious pre pre-med program where you like shadow doctors in high school and, and, he happened to also get into that program because he, at the time he wanted to be a surgeon. Wow. What? <laughs> How much of a journey have I taken you on already? Like, what? <laughs> so you go on this program, you, you, you join this program and yeah. you, you end up like meeting him. Or yes. at least like you remember meeting him again this time. Yes. And so you become friends. Yeah, so we started dating pretty quickly after that. Wow. <laughs> it was like, I, I, I like kind of like sought him out. I uh -huh. was like, that one. That one? <laughs> so, so then you end up, does he move to New York City as well for school? So um, we dated in high school. That was our senior year. First, first year of college, he went to a school upstate. I was at NYU. Mm -hmm. um, he wasn't happy there because it was kind of like a fratty school. Mm -hmm. um, it just like was not a fit mm -hmm. at all. He's like this like super creative, like just well, whatever. Um, but <laughs> um, so he wasn't happy we were talking about like where he could transfer and I was like, well, I think you should come to the city, but don't come to NYU. Cause that's my school. And like, I don't, I don't want you. Here yeah. Like this is like my Mine. experience. <laughs> <laughs> but in the end we were thinking about like what his goals were and blah, blah, blah. And so he decided, okay, I'm going to apply to NYU and like a couple of others and we'll see what happens. And he got in and then I was like, you know what? Just let's, let's do it. Come on, come on down. <laughs> Wow. So, yeah, so we went to school together for, like, sophomore year on, and, um, yeah, it's it's been about eight years now. And he was pre-med, too? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So were you taking classes together or all that? Um, yeah, some classes. It was, like, a little bit off because, like, he had transferred. Yeah, true, yeah. Um, And I think, I'm trying to remember when each of us, like, decided that we weren't going to be pre-med. I don't remember mm -hmm. kind of, like, when we both were, like, this is crazy. We're yeah. not doing Yeah. <laughs> so... So yeah, like yeah, I have to. Or I have a lot of information. This is crazy because yeah. it's like so. Gold wasn't something that you necessarily knew you wanted to do. Like when you were in school, it's not what, like you didn't study nutrition. Per no. Se. Well, so the thing was that all throughout my like 
years in college and and at that time i was the wellness girl i i was the person like the herbalist yes yeah yes i actually as an ra in college um at the end of the year they gave you these like stupid awards um and it was like you know whatever and mine was holistically helpful yeah which meant i was the person annoyingly giving people advice about supplements and like i was actually like at one point i remember i like handed out um, my, I had like one of my kids, one of my, when I was an RA was sick and I like gave her these supplements. I'm thinking now it's like so stupid. I shouldn't, shouldn't be like Giving medicating my kids, but I was just, I was so, uh, I've into been it. deep into that world for a long time now. Wow. I, you know, I have a deep appreciation for that. I used to work at Whole Foods in the whole body yes, department. Yes. My favorite. College. Oh my God. I go there for fun. So that's basically like. That's what I used to do, and then I just started working there, and then for, like, four and a half years, maybe, like, five years, from, like, freshman year of college to a little after I graduated college, I yeah. was, like, that person that was, like, oregano oil? Probiotics? Yes! Protein yes. powder? It was what I, that was what I gave her, oregano oil. Oregano oil does That's all the, the things. Yeah. That's the shit. Yep. If there's one thing you yep. always want to have is yes. gold. Yes. And oregano oil. Well, okay, also, can I add one more thing to that list? Yes. That would be garlic. Raw garlic. Yes. Okay. Yes, garlic, too. Yes. Um, what else? No, like, that's it. That, like, basically, it kills, like, anything. Raw garlic, to me, is, like, the number one. Like, when I'm sick, I just, like, this sounds intense, but, like, you take a clove of raw garlic, cut it up into a couple chunks, and just swallow them like horse pills. Yep. Your breath smells like crap. It's just worth it. But it is so worth it. It will save you. It really will. You know, um, when when I traveled to Asia, I was, like, looking up, like, yeah. you know, things to take with me because everyone's always like, oh, like, just be prepared to get, like, you know, really bad stomachache or yeah, this or that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the one thing everything said was just, like, just bring oregano oil. Yeah. And just, t- just put a few drops of oregano oil yep. in your water at the end of every day mm-hmm. and you will be fine. And I'm yep. like, no deli belly, nothing. <laughs> I went to India and had the best time. Oh, like, my nothing God. nothing happened. Um, Wait. So, okay. I want to make sure that I get to the end of this story. Yes, yeah, so let's go back wait, to you. <laughs> so, um, okay, so right. So basically alongside, you know, getting the the experience in marketing and loving that. Yes. So Issei, this is where it all comes back together. Issei's parents own a candle company upstate. Okay. They own the factory. They have a few employees. They pour candles for like J. Crew. They like, you know, oh, wow. it's, it's, and so... We had that sort of window into entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. especially okay. as a couple and, and just kind of what that could look like. So Issei and I always played around with the idea of like, oh, what if we started a business together? Mm-hmm. So it was always kind of like in the back of our minds um, and then got into turmeric specifically, which is sort of our hero ingredient yeah. in, the, in the brand um, through my mom because it's so anti-inflammatory that, you know, she was seeing really wonderful results from it. So, like, I just sort of started playing around with it and, Mm -hmm. like, putting in my smoothies and and things like that Mm -hmm. and noticed it was so good for my immune system, my digestion, my skin was glowing. Um, And so it really just kind of came together from there. Wow. And so... Long story. At what point did you... Did you transition to... From, like, oh, this is something I really love adding into my everyday to, like wait, this is something that I actually want to make for other people. And not just turmeric, but, like, I actually want to create blends. Right. Yeah, what point did you <laughs> to decide, like, 
this is something we're gonna do now i think we just didn't take it that seriously in the beginning mm. we were like oh this is fun this is like a brand marketing exercise and i think also it was a bit we were both feeling really fatigued with um the grind of working full-time mm-hmm. office jobs in the city um and we had this vision of entrepreneurship as being so much easier and and more pleasant <laughs> And I think that that naivety is, was so important because it was what allowed us to push forward, Mm -hmm. um, without having so much fear around like what might come or or what was definitely going to come. Yeah. Um, and so we just, we put a little bit of our money into it. We didn't, you know, raise any outside money or anything like that. And, and, um, worked with a friend to figure out how to do the packaging design because we didn't know how to design stuff. But like... At what point were you just like, this is something we're going to make for other people and not just like, oh, let's make it for ourselves, for our family. Well, I think like basically the way that it worked out was I was like, wow, this turmeric stuff is really powerful. I see why people are always talking about it. Mm. And I think at the same time we were playing around with the idea of like, should we start a brand? Like, what would we, what would we do? And what was that timeline? I mean, it's really hard to say at this point. I think that it was all kind of, it all kind of overlapped. And I wish that I could even tell you like, what was like the day that I was like, Oh, this now I know Uh I was like, just playing around and it just got further and further along until I were having like daily conversations. Yeah. Well, I was just, yeah. I mean, we were just kind of like playing around with the idea of it. And you know, it was like, Oh, well, what would the like, packaging look like and you know what would it what would it taste like Mm -hmm. and it started off very very casual and then like rapidly exponentially became something that we had to take seriously wow (laughs) and was it something where like Issei was you know contacting his parents and like just asking questions oh yeah like how would you do this and yeah them actually giving solutions to your questions yeah so they're you know basically my family at this point and so i'm usually i'm more so isei is our creative director so he's kind of on that end of it and then i usually end up just like calling up his dad and being like ceo to ceo like how would you handle this (laughs) like all the time all the time i text him like all the time like even logistical things oh yeah he's on speed dial like um for it's so valuable to have someone around who has been where you've been Mm -hmm. and their business is different they started it like i don't know at this point maybe 15 years ago so like their whole model is is you know different from us like it took them a while to get on instagram (laughs) you know but um the general kind of idea of like managing your cash flow Mm -hmm. and like how do you incorporate and do you want to be an s corp or a c corp or Mm -hmm. a b corp you know that was it was so valuable to have someone coach us through that and let us know that yeah it's complicated but like you can get past this because there were so many hurdles even just like incorporation it's so complicated it's expensive it's scary because you're doing like legal documentation and you're worried like i don't know the irs is going to show up and be like you did this wrong yeah yeah um so it was just it was invaluable to have someone like that available at pretty much all times and it's you know sometimes i wonder there you know a lot of people don't really have that example let's say like yeah a real life example yeah so let's say that you looking back like if you didn't if you didn't have any physical person that you could give a call yeah to how would you have gone about it differently like 
what resources would you would you recommend to somebody who's listening and it's just like yeah, yeah. I want to start a business but like nobody in my family has ever started a business and I don't have access to anybody find someone honestly yeah. I think that you there's only so much that you can learn from you know reading books mm-hmm. and doing business plans you have to get in front of people who are actually doing it right now mm-hmm. or did it last year or whatever and can really coach you through that and I know that that's easier said than done. Yeah. Um, there are a lot of barriers to like getting a face-to-face meeting with an entrepreneur that you admire, but you can start really small. Mm. It could be like just, and also I think one thing to keep in mind is that like CEOs are busy. Um, but especially if it's a small business, they really value, uh, that someone wants to hear what they have to say. That's true too. And asking someone for like, 30 minute coffee chat, they will probably say yes. Mm -hmm. And if they don't have time for that, they'll get on the phone with you for 15 minutes and at least point in the right direction. And if they don't have that amount of time for you, they're not the right person. Yeah. There are people who will make time for you. Um, And I I think that that's just the most important thing is tracking down how you want to get started there. Yeah. The first types of people that like I forced myself to get connected with because, okay, yes, I had... Um, this one really crucial starting point with with Issei's parents. But beyond that, you know, that's only going to take you so far. They didn't know how to build, you know, a digital business. Mm -hmm. They didn't know how to get into like the types of retailers that we were in and then they didn't know the wellness space. Mm -hmm. So I just forced myself in over and over and over again and until people would pay attention. And how do you get people's attention when you're just starting out like that? Well, I think that on one side of it, we built a product that was exciting. Yes. So we had the right idea with the branding um, and with the the voice. And so I think that carried us, you know, really far. So oftentimes people think that we're a lot bigger or a lot like, you know, further along than we are. And I think that, you know, if you can show something for yourself that really says like, hey, like, I'm not just some random person looking to waste 30 minutes of your time with Mm -hmm. like, how do I start a business? Like here is what I've created. And all I need is 30 minutes of your time to really take it to the next level. Yeah. I think you have to, you have to be willing to show this person why it's going to be valuable for them as well to connect with you. Yeah. And it doesn't need to mean that you're like another like super high powered CEO already. But if you can show that you're like, you're smart, you get it, you deeply understand why they are the right person that you should be speaking to, mm-hmm. um, and you can explain that to them, Yeah, um, they'll probably get on the phone with you and, and, you know, help you out as much as they can. Yeah, especially if you show them that, you're, that you've already put in as much work as you could up until yeah. that moment, that there's some things you just literally don't have. I've got an example to. of this. Let's I... A few months ago, I literally just slid into the DMs of Tristan Walker from Bevel. Do you know mm-hmm. him? Yes. And uh, I was just like, hi, I own a company called Gold, and um, I would like to uh, talk with you if you ever have time. <laughs> um, but I said, you know, like, we're, we're, you know, we're, here's, like, XYZ, like, reason why, like, we're worth knowing about, and yeah. here's why I think that's relevant to you. And I got a response and I got on the phone with them. Look at that. Yeah. And Bevel's like, you know, are they still a startup? Like, I know at this point. Yeah. This yeah. Point, like, <laughs> definitely were a startup at some point. Yes. And now, I mean, if you listen to podcasts, there's ads, Bevel ads everywhere. Yeah. I, you know, there's on Instagram, I see ads and I don't even have facial hair. 
and yeah. like bubbles like, <laughs> they're everywhere yeah that's so you see and yeah i think instagram has completely changed the way that we yes engage. how has instagram impacted your business oh my god in the most wonderful way emotionally for me personally i don't know if it's been <laughs> wonderful <laughs> yeah that's everybody's um, struggle yeah but i have to say i mean we get inquiries from brands that i mean from the start the types of inquiries we were getting i every time i was like holy shit these people know who we are so it started with urban outfitters and and kind of has grown from there and then we have was that through instagram though that they found you so I can't confirm that that was through Instagram, but I know that I've had other buyers confirm that that's where they found us, including wow. Nordstrom, who wow. we did like a pop-up with. Crazy. He said, yeah, you know, I was just doing that um, tool on Instagram where, you know, like someone else, someone like pops up after you follow someone. Yes. And that's how I found you. Wow. <laughs> like, oh, cool. Wow. Um, so yeah, it works. It's Im- and we don't have a lot of followers, you know, as far as like that side of it, like it's just about being authentic and like showing something that's really cool and, yeah. and is exciting. And I think buyers at this point in the retail space are really looking for new brands. So it also is not necessarily to your disadvantage if you're small and early. That is something so important to highlight because I think oftentimes what gets people from stopping something or mm-hmm. from even like talking about it is like, well, we're just so small, you know? Right. Right. And they don't right. feel like they've earned the right to say or to like take space and like claim their spot because only people with, or only companies with X amount of followers yep. can do that or only yep. companies making this amount in revenue are allowed to do yep. that. So how do you, you know, I guess for you, because you were on the back end, like you were just like, everyone thinks that we're this huge company. And it's like literally Issa and I like putting all this into yeah. a bag and shipping this out. How do you manage to deal with that? Like, was there some like level of imposter syndrome? Oh my God. I was with? just going to say that. Yeah. yeah. We're launching with a really, 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 really big retailer in March. Mm-hmm. And I can't say it on the podcast okay. yet. Okay. But it's a really big retailer in beauty. Okay. And... When they reached out to us, I was like floored. Um, and and we've had I've had moments like that where I just think, oh my gosh, like what have I gotten myself into? I didn't like they don't know that I'm just you know this one little person. Yeah. And um, but you know what? There are no rules. Yeah. Um, the reason why we're being chosen by these buyers or or whatever opportunity is coming to you is because you earned it. Yeah. And it really doesn't matter how you got there. Yeah. And all the better if you got there with limited resources. That's impressive. That is impressive. You don't always have to make that clear. You know, sometimes it's good to put up a little bit of a front and act like you're bigger than you yeah. are because it kind of gives outsiders um, a little bit more comfort in mm-hmm. like trusting your brand. Right, right, right. Um, like you don't have to be totally honest. Mm-hmm. I mean, not dishonest, but you know, you don't have to put it all out there. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, you earned it. Take it. Where do we learn that we're not supposed to be confident about something that is just starting out? I think it's just this, it's really this inherent, I don't under, I'm trying to, I I tend to think about things scientifically and I try to imagine if there's like some like evolutionary reason for this that I'm not really sure what it is, but um, it's like you're afraid that you like stepped onto the wrong stage and someone's literally going to grab the, you know, the cane and like pull Pull you up and be like, what were you thinking? You can't do that. And it's, I mean, everyone is so scared of that. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's just like phobia of um, someone finally pointing out that, like, hey, you know, y- you got this far, but like, you're gonna need to stop now. Like, we, you call your bluff, or right? Something. Exactly. But I think what you have to realize and what you learn the more and more you connect with successful and powerful people is that everyone is bluffing. Mm. No one, the most successful people in the world are not inherently the most intelligent. Um, They just were confident and lucky. And if you just use those two things to your advantage and know when you're lucky, everyone has their own moments. Yeah. For example, being raised in a 99.9% white town was a disadvantage for me, but it also was an, an opportunity for me to be lucky. Mm-hmm. It means that when I go into a space full of investors, I know exactly how to talk to those people. Yeah. So you have to find those moments yeah. um, and capitalize on them however you can and just move with confidence. And I mean, um, did you find yourself hesitating in the, in the beginning to talk about it to people? Like, Oh, I'm not sure. Like, we're just do- like, yeah. we're still just <laughs> starting to figure out, like, I don't know if I should be telling people I do this thing. Yeah, it's, it's, it's weird. I think putting out a business, it's like, it's like making any type of art and, and putting it out there yeah. and waiting for people to react to it. It's yeah. stressful. Yeah. And it's really hard to not, when it's a business, um, it's really hard to not um, inherently tie together your financial success with um, the value of the company and what you're building. And when you're putting all of your, your love and your creativity and your energy into it and, the, you know, maybe one week the sales are down, yeah. you're like, okay, I'm worthless. Yeah. Clearly I should give up. Yeah. And for some reason there's just like a voice inside that like makes you want to give up mm-hmm. because in some ways it feels like it's easier to just be like, yeah, I, it turns out I wasn't really cut out for that. And I learned my lesson. I'm not going to do that again. Yeah. Yep. And it, instead of sticking to something that you know, like it's in time, it'll come about again where you're going to have a week where your sales are down. Yeah, are you really exactly. going to subject yourself to that again? Right. Exactly. Are you going to subject yourself to disappointment, mm. to pain, to failure? Yeah. Um, I had a conversation a few weeks ago um, with a young woman who I'm, you know, kind of like lightly mentoring. Mm. And um, I said, you know, the, the big thing that you're going to have to acknowledge if you want to be an entrepreneur is failure you will fail over and over and over again. Um, And it was kind of hard for her to understand that that was not just something that could happen. It was inevitable. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think we just, we don't live in a world right now where we acknowledge um, the, the, just the inevitability of failure um, and that that's okay. Well, because, I mean, look at our school system. Like, you fail, you yep. do something wrong, you're punished, right. you're embarrassed. Right. You're, you get a big You should fat be ashamed. F. Yeah. Yep. Whereas it's like, I, yeah, like, that just means that you have to work on something a little more. But yeah. it's never framed in that way. So, of course, like, mm. we go into entrepreneurship and we start yeah. something new and it's like, I failed, F. I'm right. gonna I have to do this all over again and look at how everybody's gonna think about me. My teacher thinks yeah. like, like that doesn't exist. By anymore. the way, no one's even looking. No one's no, no, no one cares. For you. No one's checking. No one cares. They're too busy worrying about their own shit. Yeah. Like if it's not even it's not even in a nice way. It's just we're all too self involved to be worried about right. what what's going on. But you think you're <laughs> on the stage. Like oh you my said, God. you think everybody's watching you. Yeah. And it's like to some extent you know, when, I guess for you, especially like, and I'm really curious to know what this, what, what that moment was like for you to just yeah. be like, 
I'm quitting my marketing job and I'm, yeah. going to, I'm just, you know, <laughs> going to this business full time. And, you know, like I'm going to have to depend on myself. Yeah. There's no check coming in from yeah. this other company. It's my company feeding me. Like, well, so again, I think it's a lot of like na- the power of naivety, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. which can take you very, very far. Mm-hmm. Um, on top of that, once I knew that we were going to have to, start doing this full time. I said, Issa, you're gonna have to quit your job. And he was like, fuck. (laughs) He's a little less, he's a little more risk averse than Uh I am. I'm like, let's just do it. Let's see how it works out. It'll be fine. Mm -hmm. We'll live off of nothing. (laughs) He's like, nothing. (laughs) Um, So um, after that, I actually, so my mom, who's still upstate, she was getting ready to sell a house that she wasn't living in. She had already moved. um, She had moved in with her mother. She was taking care of her. She was getting ready to sell her house. Mm -hmm. And I said, mom, don't sell the house. I'm coming up. (laughs) So Issa and I moved upstate for like six months, maybe more, um, in 2017. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. So we ran the business for like six months while working full time in New York City. And Mm -hmm. we were quickly like, okay, this this is not working. Yeah. And then we went upstate and we had several months of living rent free Mm -hmm. and just being totally heads down focused on the business. Wow. Wow. That that's like such a blessing. That yeah. you had yeah. a warehouse yep. that you had like, yep. somewhere that you could ship and receive yep. and you had internet yep. and like, water. Know when you're lucky. No, I mean, and everyone has those unique situations and some people have more of them and some people have less of them, yeah. but there are opportunities to uncover that you can do something with if mm. you're willing to make those jumps for them. And I mean, for you, was there, or for both of you, was there a moment you're just like, well, damn, like we're living in the city. Are we really going to go upstate? Is this, this is just looks about our friends. What are they going to Oh think? yeah. I actually, I remember, um, I was in, are you familiar with okay real? No. Um, so they do these like mentor groups for like young women where you like go, it's basically group therapy, but like huh. a little bit trendier. So oh, I gotta join. That. yeah, highly recommend. So I went to one of those sessions and I was trying to figure out what I was going to do. And I just like started crying, like sobbing in front of these strangers. And I was like, yeah, I like, I think I need to go upstate, but it feels like a failure. And (laughs) it was so bad. And they were like, you have a company, you have a product and you have a place to go. Girl, like go hightail it out of here and and go do it and put a spin on it that makes you feel good about it. Mm -hmm. And so I said, okay, we're going on a working sabbatical to the Hudson Valley. Yes. <laughs> I just owned it and went and did what I had to do. And it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, I didn't, I did not move up to like some like luxury log mm. cabin. Mm. You know, it was, it was, we were actually the area where my mom had that house. It wasn't Saratoga. It was like an area a little bit north of there. Very conservative, mm-hmm. um, just as white, but very conservative, more like blue collar, mm-hmm. like this is a Trump country. Mm-hmm. Okay. And mm-hmm. so it was not an easy place for myself or my boyfriend who, while being half Asian, mostly just ends up looking either Latino or Middle Eastern, <laughs> like not a good combination up there. Uh-huh. Um, it, it was hard. Mm-hmm. It was a hard decision to make, mm-hmm. but it was the only decision to make. So, 
that that's so that's so scary because it's like you literally leave everything that you know yeah and you just jump full into risk but i mean at that point you knew like you couldn't not know that you wanted to try at the very least try to had to try yeah had to try had to give it a shot and i was learning so much and i knew that Mm -hmm. i knew that i was learning at like an exponential rate and i couldn't give up the opportunity to just keep learning more yeah and so also what was that like for you and Issei, like as a couple to now <laughs> jump into this business. It's yeah. like not only is he now your you know your partner, but he's also like your co founder and yeah. you have to talk, you know, relationship mm-hmm. and then business at yeah. the same time. You know what I always tell people is I think it's actually been really good for our relationship. Mm. It forces maturity into the romantic side of your relationship. We're like, you can't be in a fight with that person because you got to make decisions. Yeah. There's like, okay, well, what email are we sending tomorrow? (laughs) Like, you got to get over it. Hey, it's me, Kat. Just wanted to pop in here and let you know that the next 12 minutes are going to sound a little different. My podcast recorder ran out of memory, so I had to finish up my chat with Trinity using voice notes on my iPhone. Okay, now back to the show. All right, cool. So, as we were saying, um, so yeah, when you when you work with your partner, most people are often just like, okay, um, so how is that like? And you're right. saying that I think it's it's I think it's great. You're going to have to partner with someone, yeah. And I think you might as well make sure that it's someone that you actually trust, yeah. Someone who loves you and yeah. is going to look beyond just like the business and really think about like what's good for you and and your relationship. Yeah. So for us, it's just I mean, it's it's incredibly natural. Mm-hmm. There's no one else I could ever imagine starting a company with. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's something that you really have to be careful with who you bring into that. Yeah. Um, I've heard so many horror stories of business partnerships, whether it's friends or acquaintances or family. Yeah. Um, there's not really much you can do there besides try to make the best decision that you can mm-hmm. at that time. And maybe if you don't have a great co-founder at the time, just start on your own and mm-hmm. go from there. Mm-hmm. And, and you know maybe you can bring people in, but they're not at the level of co-founder. Yeah. Um, but I, I highly recommend being very selective there. What's like the most important thing to keep in mind when you're discussing business in terms of boundaries or like levels of respect you know like both of you are passionate about this it's like how do you both how do you make sure that both of you are heard um it's it's challenging i'm definitely the dominant personality Mm -hmm. very often um but the i think the positive side of it is that i'm the ceo i'm the face of the brand Mm -hmm. and he stays the creative director and he really he like as far as his role goes he exists to support the vision that I have for this company. That's obviously not our relationship, but um, it means that in the end, like I, I have the final say. Yeah. And so I think it's good to have, even when it's a co-founder, like some hierarchy as far as like, okay, well on this matter, you know, you're in charge, but on this other thing, it's the other person. And so we kind of split it up that way with a lot of the most important stuff about the brand and the business decisions. It's on me, Mm -hmm. um, but I'm discussing it uh, a lot with him. Yeah. But you know, on the creative side, oftentimes I'm like, okay, this is, this is you. Mm -hmm. I think I like this, but what the fuck do I know? Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think just kind of like you have to set those boundaries depending on, you know, who the people are in the business relationship. Hmm. Yeah, that's important to know. And I think 
that if you don't set that kind of hierarchy there will never maybe like i think you'll just kind of run in these silos of like okay like should we do this should we do this somebody has to just decide yes yeah, so yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. you being yeah. that person i just decide like i think this is the right decision i don't right. fully know but like we're going with this because we can't just keep talking about yes it. yeah um you can't really you can't like kind of like tiptoe around those things mm-hmm. it needs to be like okay well this is what i believe in mm-hmm. and that person needs to be comfortable fighting for it if they believe in the other thing mm-hmm. and, and it can't be a case of like hurt feelings because people feel strong yeah you know I want to go back to something that I just thought about like one thing that I think oftentimes people do is that when they start companies if they don't see a profit yeah right away they think it's not worth (laughs) continuing I'm curious to know what that journey was like for you guys whenever someone brings us up I think about um, a founder well it's not even one person I've, I've heard this from several founders who are very early on in their business like a few months and they're like can you believe I'm not paying myself yet? And I'm like, of course you're not. Mm-hmm. You can't pay yourself mm-hmm. yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I That was something, it was really helpful to have the background from Issei's parents around kind of like how to get there. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the hardest things, managing your cash flow and not just being like, oh, we're going to start making stickers and blah, 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 like before we can afford to because yeah. it's just got to be cute and we've got to compete with these brands that yeah. have millions of dollars in funding. Yeah. You have to roll that stuff out slowly. So even though, you know, I have like, you know, someone on my team who's like, when are we going to get branded tape? I'm like, when we can afford it, Yeah, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So yeah. I think it's like being, understanding that like cash is king, like you need to make sure that you're not just going into debt month over month and you would be surprised how easy it is to let that happen Mm -hmm. because you see money coming in and you don't notice that it's not quite enough to make up for what's going out yeah um so just being really really careful um with that piece and understanding that like you're gonna have to go out on a limb financially for this Mm -hmm. um you're probably not gonna start paying yourself right away and you're gonna have to build out like some type of a like you know it doesn't have to be fancy but some kind of financial model around like okay here's what we expect the revenues to be like for the next year and here's what our costs are going to be and therefore this is how much I can pay myself and this Mm -hmm. is when I'll start Mm -hmm. so I'm not going to start taking a full salary for this company and let me say it is very below market rate (laughs) until january Mm -hmm. that is when i'm finally so on the two-year anniversary of the business look at that is when i'm finally actually going to start taking a paycheck and people don't from like oh it's like so easy for somebody who's like goes on on gold's instagram to yeah like, wow like look at them or yeah you know you're you're with no you partnered with Nordstrom right. or urban that must be millions of dollars you, yeah right? you must have it all figured out and like well how could i ever do that or you know not even knowing that this is the truth yeah you know you can't just ever do that in one day you don't just like show up with like millions of dollars unless you raise money mm-hmm. which is totally a valid option mm-hmm. it's a great way to scale a company a lot of our favorite consumer brands were built that way mm-hmm. you know you start off with like at least two million in funding you get a salary from day one yeah. and you go from there yeah um but that comes with a lot of strings attached yep you're not going to own most of your company yep. you're going to be beholden to investors if you decide that you're ready to sell the company, your investors might be able to say, no, we're not. Mm-hmm. You're going to keep working because you haven't built this to be big enough yet. Yeah. Um, there's, uh, you know, there's challenges there that you kind of have to explore and, and, and figure out what is, you know, the right fit for you. Mm, that's, a, yeah, that's really important. You know, it's very important. There are people listening right now who are like, 
you know, have ideas to do things. They just right. have ideas, right? And they're just like, oh, like, what are other people doing? What are other people doing? And they don't think about this. And that's why, mm-hmm. like, on the show, I really try to make it a point to talk about the things that people don't talk about. Yes. Because this is the real stuff that yes. you need to be prepared for. Yes. You say you want to do this, understand that this is what comes with the territory. Yeah. And it's not to say, like, you shouldn't do it. Right. It's just to say, this is a factor. Yes. So please make sure you, you approach it. Yes. Understanding you know, the consequences of your decisions right. and they're beautiful. Nonetheless, like right. how I'm sure you feel so great knowing you own a company and you're, right. you're dead, you're doing this thing and you're like proving to yourself day after day that, you know, like you're, you're committed still, yep. but it still comes with other factors too. that a hundred percent. And yeah, I think that the biggest piece of advice that I have for anyone that's thinking about starting a company is simplify your idea 10 times over mm-hmm. and then maybe 10 more times and then consider launching that. You need to think of an idea that seems so like so stupidly simple that it's foolproof mm-hmm. and it will still be the hardest thing you've ever done in your entire life. We sell, we mix powders together, stick them in a bag and sell them. Yeah. And it is so fucking hard. Mm. And I, I think that, you know, so often I hear people, they're like, okay, I'm going to start a business and I'm going to do this. Like, and they've got this crazy lofty idea. Yeah. And I'm like, do you know how many employees that's going to take? Yeah. Have you ever managed anyone before? Yeah. You know, like you kind of have to, you have to take it like several steps back and think about how you really want to scale up. Mm-hmm. And if you can find a way to do it sustainably, as opposed to just like, going like all in from yeah. the start yeah mm. i'm taking that info in like you're <laughs> yeah. i feel like you're also speaking to me it's like i'm really in that stage right now where i'm starting a company and i'm like i have all these big ideas yeah, and it's yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. cat no yeah what you need to this is this it cannot be well, like that and there's a lot of great examples of this think about like google or mm-hmm. apple like or you know facebook these companies or amazon mm-hmm. they didn't start as like big mammoth companies yeah. that owned the world yeah. and all your data it was like hey we're like a search engine yeah which i know you've never heard of yeah. but like it allows you to find things on the internet yeah um, you know, like, oh, we're going to be like the best app for like sharing photos. Mm-hmm. And then it grows from there. Right. So it's not to say that you can't have an empire, mm-hmm. but the empire doesn't start at day one. You solve one problem and you become known for solving that one problem. Being the, I don't know, the best, the cheapest, the fastest, whatever it is that you win, you win that category and then you can expand. Yeah. But I think it's really hard for people to understand that, like, you gotta start at square one. Yeah. Mm. Oh, such good <laughs> advice. Such good advice, especially this day and age. Yes. We need to. Yeah, we need to remember that. Yeah. Um, I want to jump into some rapid fire questions with you. Okay. Mm. What's your favorite time of day? Uh, morning, noon, or night? Morning, early. Mm. Six a.m. That's like when you're the most productive, yes. most creative. I try to get up as early as possible. Hmm. I, you have me at the bad time of day. <laughs> <laughs> We're still doing really like good though. 7 p.m. is my rough time. But um, no, like this is, um, I'm a morning person. I've always been a morning person. Hmm. Uh, what's your favorite snack? Oh my God. Um, this is like so obnoxious, but I mix flaxseed oil with raw honey and I dip bread in it. Oh, wow. It's really delicious. I'm gonna have to try it. It's a little bit like Whole Foods obnoxious (laughs) of me, but I don't care. It's my favorite snack. Look at that. (laughs) What's your favorite app? Oh, I don't know. I'm not really big on apps, so I'm just gonna say Instagram because I honestly just don't use them. Yeah, a a lot of people say that. Yeah. A lot of people say Instagram. Um, If you had $1 million right now, what's the first thing that you would do? 
put it in my company. Yes. <laughs> you see how badass it is to say? <laughs> um, what's your favorite act of self-care? Oh, oh my gosh. Going for a walk and mm. just like, so either going for a walk alone, um, like around my neighborhood or like forcing Issei to come with me and just like throwing like all of my like emotional shit at him. Um, but just like talking it out and like moving my body at the same time is so therapeutic for me. I love that. Um, if there was one message that you could get out to the world right now, what would it be? You can do it. Mm. Yes, I love that. I love that. Well, this has been a great chat. I truly appreciate you taking the time Thank to spread you. this wisdom. If people want to learn more about your company, where can they find you online? Yeah, so our website is gold.co, so G-O-L-D-E dot C-O. Amazing. And on Instagram, same? Yep, at gold. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thanks, this was guys. great. I hope you all enjoyed that episode. Trinity is a true, true gem. And I recently found out that she's a fellow Capricorn and shares my INFJ personality type, which makes me like her even more. (laughs) As always, thank you so, so much for listening. I'm sending you lots of love, light, and good vibes. We will chat next week.